Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Hey there, welcome to the program. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. It just so happens that I have a seat at the table reserved for you. I'm Gary Zimak, and I am excited to be with you here, and I'm going to be with you here for the next 30 minutes. I hope you're able to stick around for the entire show. Before we get in to the topic of the program, which just happens to be the growth of the church, we're going to look at how Christ founded a church, and he is allowing that church, through his intervention, through his power, through his Holy Spirit, he's allowing that church and has allowed that church to grow from the time he ascended into heaven. And the church has continued to grow and will continue to grow. That's the topic. I'm glad I wasn't going to get into it. But anyway, that's what we're going to talk about on the program today. But I want to do... um. I'm going to do a little business before we go any further. If you are listening to this show for the first time, I I want to welcome you. And um, just let me say, it gets a little confusing because over the cast, over the course of my broadcasting career, I've had several different shows, several different names for the shows, but eventually, essentially it comes down to the Gary Zimak show, which has for the last several years been my weekend show, which which is the program you're listening to right now. This is the program where I look at the Gospels from the weekend Sunday Mass. And then my weekday podcast, which is Following the Truth, that airs five minutes each day, Monday through Friday. Um, And and I have different distribution outlets for the podcast. So, for instance, this program, you may be listening right now over the air, because numerous Catholic radio stations around the country carry the show, and I'm grateful for that. I also was distributing this program through Breadbox Media, which will continue to happen, so you might be listening there. But I recently made the decision, this is going to be the first time I'm doing it, to turn this show into Following the Truth, the Weekend Edition. So nobody's going to lose anything. I'm just adding an extra outlet for the podcast. So if you happen to be a subscriber to the weekday podcast, Following the Truth, you're also going to see this show beginning today in your feed. I'm going to load it up on Saturday. So I hope you're going to become a regular listener of this show if you don't normally listen to it. I I just think it works out better this way. It, It was for various reasons I had the show spread out and 
being syndicated through different outlets, but it, it just makes sense that I'm, um, since I, I have the ability to do this, to also upload this program into the regular Following the Truth podcast stream. So what I'm really doing, there shouldn't be any changes. The programs are all going to be the same. I'm just hoping to reach new listeners this way and um, just make sure that we don't have any problems. We did have some issues uh, over the past, gosh, several months where the shows weren't showing up where they where they should be. I, I think we've got all that under control now, and this is just some extra insurance. In case it doesn't show up in one place, you're going to have the program in another place. So anyway, thanks for listening to that. I didn't know how I was going to explain that. I hope I didn't confuse you more. If you have any questions, you can always email me at gary at followingthetruth.com. So we're going to talk about the growth of the early church, and we're going to look at the Mass readings for the fifth Sunday of Easter. That's what we're going to talk about this week. And uh, we've talked about this before, but there were seven Sundays of Easter, and then we head into, we celebrate the ascension of our Lord into heaven, followed by the celebration then of Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost follows the seventh, it's the Sunday following the seventh Sunday of Easter. Um, so got a lot of good stuff happening. I just wanted to give you sort of an idea of where we stand in the liturgical year, but today we're going to look at the growth of the early church. And I have to, have to tell you, I always look for the theme and I pray to the Holy Spirit before I start the show, because I, I could, I could speak about any one aspect of any of the readings for Sunday's mass, but there's a reason that this gospel, this first reading, this responsorial psalm, and even um, the the second reading, especially during the Easter season, is chosen. The church chose, cho- chooses these readings for a reason and ties them all in together. And sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to find the theme. That's why I depend on the Spirit. I had to read them over a few times and pray about it, but I think I got it. I, I really think that what the Holy Spirit is inspiring the church by grouping these readings together to preach to us this weekend is the growth of the church and how the church grows, starting very small and then going around the world. So that's the theme. And then, you know, as we, as I like to always do, let's make it practical. Well, that's great. The church grows. So what does that mean for me? You know what I mean? And that's, that's I think, what I always try to get at in these shows. Well, what's the takeaway? What am I supposed to do now? Uh, rather than just be an educational or an informative show, I want I want this program, I want the Spirit to speak through me and give us all, including me, a, a takeaway, a, a call to action. All right, I'm supposed to do something now. What is that? So we're going to hope the Holy Spirit comes through and gives us that takeaway, or that call to action today. And in order for that to happen, I think it's a good idea that we pray. So if you'll join me, let's remember that we are... No matter where we are, we are we are in the presence of our Heavenly Father, Almighty God, right now. Let's talk to Him. Let's ask for that help, and let's ask for Him to pour out His Spirit. So if you'll join me, we'll begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for being present with us right now. Thank you for for never being too busy. You know, it's amazing, Father. You're, you're God, and you have the ultimate responsibilities. I mean, nobody has more responsibility than you, but yet you always have time for us. What a great blessing it is to be able to call you Father. 
We don't just call you God, we call you Father, as per Jesus' instructions, and uh, as per him coming into our world and enabling us to be adopted by you, Father. So we're very grateful for that. We turn to you today and we praise you. We worship you. We acknowledge your greatness, your power, your your ult, your infinite love for each one of us. We acknowledge all of that. And we ask you, Father, to bless and protect us and our loved ones. We pray for our church. We pray for anybody who is suffering today due to anything, sickness, loneliness, hopelessness, whatever it may be grave sin. We just lift those individuals up, Father, and we ask you to to touch them with your healing touch and heal them of any spiritual or bodily affliction or mental illness that they may be experiencing. We pray, Father, for, we pray that you'll send out your Holy Spirit, especially on me right now, so that I can deliver the message that you would like me to deliver today so that I can stay out of your way and, and and deliver what you would like me to deliver. And we also pray for each of us, Father, that you will open our hearts and our minds so that we can receive the message that you have for us and put it into practice in our lives. Father God, we ask the, these things in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, who is your Son and who is our Lord, and who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, there you go. Thank you so much for praying with me. I really appreciate that. Again, I'm Gary Zimak. We're going to be hanging out here for the next, uh, what is it, about 25 minutes or so as we continue to look at the, the Mass readings for the fifth Sunday of Easter. It's all about the growth of the church that we're going to talk about today. Before we do the readings, just one other piece of business. I talked about the the, the different ways to uh, listen to the program at the start of the show. But I also want to direct you to my website, followingthetruth.com. I have a new book that is officially out. I think the official release date is, um, is, is, has passed or will be, will be taking place very soon. Um, I believe it was Friday, May the 5th. That's the, I think that's the official release date. The book should be out before then. But my new book is called When Your Days Are Dark. God is still good. I will make it a point going forward to talk about the book on this show and on my weekday podcast. It's a book that I wrote to give hope to somebody who is looking at a situation in their lives, uh, in someone who's looking at the world, looking at the country, saying, oh my gosh, this is a disaster. What good can God bring out of this? That's why I wrote this book, to give hope to those who have just about lost hope. And to look back in the Bible, and that's what I do, I look in the Bible at several stories of God working good in really bad situations. And my goal for the book is that by looking at how he has worked in the past in very difficult situations, we can look at that, those those uh, set of, sets of circumstances and, and realize that even in our life, even if we don't fully understand what he's doing, understand and believe that he can bring good out of this and that he is bringing good out of it. So um, so I think it's important to, to really acknowledge that because so many people are walking around hopeless, discouraged, depressed. This is my attempt at trying to 
lift up anybody's spirits who is suffering. So check out followingthetruth.com for more information. Also, if you don't subscribe to my daily email reflection, why don't you do that while you're there? That doesn't cost you anything. It's called Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. So I'd love to have you as a subscri- <coughs> excuse me, subscriber. I knew that cough was coming. I couldn't reach the water fast enough. Uh, as, as always, though, any questions, Gary at followingthetruth.com is my email address. All right, let's look at these readings now for the Sunday, the fifth Sunday of Easter. As we always do, and if you're a new listener, you don't realize this, but I always begin with the gospel. The church holds the gospel up to a special, gives the gospel a special place of prominence among all books of the Bible. So the gospels are important And I always think it's important, therefore, to lead with the gospel and let the other supporting readings support the gospel. So, with that in mind, we look at John chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. Now, this is, for the most part, we're going to hear the words of Jesus. We'll hear some dialogue between Jesus and Thomas, but we're going to hear a lot of direct quotes from our Lord in this gospel. Really good stuff. And he starts off with one of my favorite messages in all of Scripture. And, um, you know, it's it's not the main topic I'm going to discuss today, but I, I just love reading it. And why don't we start? Jesus said to his disciples, you ready for this? Do not let your hearts be troubled. And, and you know what? That's, again, that's not the main topic. We're talking about the growth of the church. But this is a message for you and for me today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We do have some say over this. Yeah, we might feel down, we might feel discouraged, but what the Lord is saying to us, don't let it happen. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And how do we not let our hearts be troubled? How do we, for lack of a better word, untrouble our hearts? Well, one of the best ways is to turn to him and ask for help, especially through his church. Remember, this, this, these readings are about the growth of the church and the importance of the church and how Jesus works through his church and through the sacraments, through the scriptures, which were compiled by the Catholic Church. That's where the Bible came from. He, he gives us that peace in our hearts that we all seek. Because whether we realize it or not, when our hearts are troubled, when we're not at peace, we're looking for him. We're looking for Jesus who is here to lead us to the Father. So that's just a little little aside. I don't know how I could not talk about that today. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. So what the Lord is doing is establishing to his followers, to his disciples, that you know, you, you're used to believing in God, but I need you to start believing in me as well, because I am his representative. I came here to show you who God is and how much he cares for you. And then Jesus goes on to say, and this is really good stuff. So this should give you some kind of hope. And again, we're we're talking about the church today, but that doesn't mean there aren't more than one messages. There isn't more than one message we can extract. There are, there's multiple messages. In my Father's house, Jesus states, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Now, so to, to those of us who are living in this world, which is all of us right now, Jesus is promising us a reserved place in his heavenly kingdom, in heaven. So there's a room, there's a reservation for you and for me made in your name right now in heaven. You've got a place reserved in heaven. That is something I don't care what any of us are going through. That's something that we can rejoice about. That there is a place reserved in heaven and Jesus wants us to go there. He wants us to live there with him. Now, Thomas said to him, now here's that interaction between Thomas and Jesus. Master, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? So, you know, it does sound confusing. This is, Jesus is talking about his ascension into heaven. We know that because we have 2,000 years of hindsight, but the apostles, this is all new to them. They're trying to figure it out. Thomas is saying, "I, I don't know where you're going. How am I supposed to know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what he's saying, Jesus is saying is, you come to the Father through me. And remember, Jesus established a church. Jesus is active in his church. As members of the church, we're part of the mystical body of Christ. We're part of his body. I know it's mind-blowing, but that's a factual statement. And Jesus continues and says to Thomas, if you know me, then you will also know my father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Philip's about to say something, but you got to understand that for many people, and I know I struggled with this not too long ago, God as the Father is somewhat mysterious. We read about Jesus, we hear his words, we see his actions in the Gospels, but God the Father, we look at him in the Old Testament in his actions, sometimes we think, man, he's nasty, right? (laughs) The Old Testament God is not that nice. But what you have to understand, and this is really important, is God revealed himself to his people gradually in stages. Initially, he's dealing with people that are worshiping idols and are, for the most part, very uncivilized. So other than going back, the people who wrote scripture, going back and changing the stories, you can't change history. These stories were written. They were delivered to a certain period of people in time, a period in time. We've got to go back and understand what's going on. And yes, God did sound harsh, but that's what, because of the people who he was dealing with, their understanding and his gradual revelation. Now we have the full revelation of the Father in Jesus. So if you look at the way Jesus spoke, and somebody told me one time, well, Jesus sounds a lot nicer than the Father, but Jesus is telling us, if you listen to me, if you see me, if you hear me, you are seeing and hearing the Father. This is who the Father is. That's why it's important for us to look at the Bible as a whole. Old Testament, New Testament. You can't just pluck a piece of Scripture out of the Old Testament and say, well, this is who God is. No. If you really want to get to know the Father, the best thing you could do is watch and listen to Jesus 
in his words and actions as recorded in the New Testament, then you can go back and read some of the what went on in the Old Testament with a different perspective, knowing what Jesus said. So now Philip chimes in and says, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You see that? If you want to get to know the Father, you look at Jesus and listen to him and speak to him. And you still can speak to the Father. We spoke to him at the start of the program. But Jesus tells us a lot about who the Father is. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. Now, here's something. This this connection to the church, the growth of the church, was not clear to me until I read that last line of this gospel passage. But Jesus saying that my time on earth, walking around in the flesh, is limited. I'm going back to the Father. I'll still be here present in the Eucharist and, and spiritually, obviously, but... My time is limited. You, my followers, my church. Remember, the church is really small at this part. You will do greater works than me because I'm leaving the earth in a bodily form. And it's going to be up to my church, you and me, members of the church, members of the body of Christ, to do more works than Jesus did in his three years. And that's what he's talking about here. So through 2,000 years and until the end of time, the church is going in the name of Jesus to do greater works, to do more than just what Jesus did in his three years. In other words, you and me, as part of the church, as part of the body of Christ, he's depending on us to be him to those around us. It's pretty cool. So this, you can start to see the growth of the church. It matters. Let's look at the first reading. It's Acts of the Apostles, chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. As the number of disciples continued to grow. See that? Greater works. Jesus had already ascended into heaven at this point. The Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men, filled with the spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Permanus and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. See, the church is growing. Even a large group of priests, and we're talking about the Jewish priests, the Hebrew priests, were becoming obedient to the faith, converting to Christianity. What we see here is the 
ordination, if you want to call it that, of the first deacons of, of the church in order to help out the priests as the, ch- the church begins to grow. Now, let me, let me get these readings uh, let me, so we can finish these up. Let's go on to the, the second, uh, to the responsorial psalm, Psalm 33. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-string lyre, chant his praises. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. See the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Now, if you go back to that, you see a connection here, not directly to the growth of the church, but to Jesus saying, you believe in the Father, I need you to believe in me. And then if you take it a step further, Jesus founded a church to help us to get to heaven. Second reading is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 9. Uh, come to, beloved, come to him a living stone rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. And like living stones, let yourselves, as remember, members of the church, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is what we do in the church. For as it says in scripture, behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith, but for those without faith, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word as is their destiny. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And we see this this idea of the chosen race, a royal priesthood. Now, what do the priests do? The priests offer sacrifice, in a generic sense, a priest offers sacrifice to God. We have in the Catholic Church the ministerial priesthood. These are the, the, the priests who are ordained, the priests and bishops who are ordained and into the ministerial priesthood. But then we have something called the common priesthood, which is all the rest of us, men and women, members of the church, we are all called to join in and offer our sacrifices, the sacrifice of our work, of our prayers, along with the, the ministerial priests. All of it is designed to worship the Father in Jesus. So we're all part of Jesus worshiping the Father. That's how the church works. And it's, it's very difficult to really wrap your brain around that sometimes. So don't try to understand all the little details. Just try to get the big picture if you can. When Jesus is talking about you guys, members of the church, men and women, down through the ages are going to do more than I did in my three years in earth, on earth. Not that the works themselves are better, but they're more numerous. That happens through the church and the growth of the church. 
That's that's it. And Jesus is at the center. Jesus founded a church. He came to earth to found a visible church. As members of that church, we are called upon to do his work, to continue his work down through the ages. Now, sometimes you think like, well, why would he choose me? But he did. So now let's talk about the takeaway. Well, what does all this mean to me? As a member of the church, you're called to share the good news in some way. You do it verbally. You do it with your actions. You do it in your home. You do it at your workplace. You do it on the street, wherever it is. Who are you going to bring closer to Jesus today? That's the whole point of this. All right? I got to run. I can't believe we got all those readings in. It was it was a bit difficult. Thanks for listening. Any questions, Gary, at followingthetruth.com. I look forward to, you, to joining you next time. Bye-bye.